You're listening to Podcast on Fire. It's Asian cinema in a podcast with your hosts, the magnificent trio of Stu, Ken, and Mike. The first guy I interviewed for this podcast is a guy called Brian Kirby. He, he, he designs uh, retro t-shirts. And uh, he basically said, wh- wh- when we talked about uh, when you, if you had to defend this filmmaking, if you ever were forced in a corner in a way, or people really dismissing the filmmaking, uh, the kaiju filmmaking, and he he said that uh, you know Godzilla is as believable as Kermit the Frog. You know, yeah. you you know what you're looking at, but it's all about you know presentation and the sincerity in doing so, and uh, there's no problem believing. That Kermit the Frog is a character, and the same yeah. with Godzilla. No, yeah, I agree. I mean, yeah, you, you, that's a great point, you know. And uh, yeah, a lot of people kind of poo-poo and then like, yeah, you know, you just, you, 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 where's, where's your sense of childlike adventure mm-hmm. when you watch these? You kind of have to, you know, turn off your adult critical mind. Yeah, you exactly. Know, with, uh, I mean, uh, and I, that's why I really didn't like the. Um, the U.S. version of Godzilla. I thought it was really, really like, you know, Jurassic Park, you know. Like, oh, uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, there, it, it, it lost its innocence. Mm. <laughs> it was, it was, it, I, that's what I felt about it. I, mm. I was like, eh. You know, I, was, I wasn't really, uh, it didn't really stir me up at all. I, I just didn't care. It was just, I felt they really bastardized. You know, it's just like, you know, they, they had to make it fit in the square hole. Yeah. You know, and, and and it didn't work. I didn't feel it worked. I mean, yeah, I I remember in the theater watching some of the trailers. Yeah, the trailers were really exciting. Like those two fishermen at the at the end of the at the wharf. Yeah, you know, and uh, with the tide, you know, the wave coming. I was like, that was really cool. But mm. you know, when you saw the movie, you went. Uh. <laughs> I, I even went this far. The, the only piece of U.S. Godzilla that I own and kind of am proud to own, I thought the soundtrack they put together was kind of good. They, uh, aside from a tune or two, they had some really good talent on the soundtrack, but basically none of that was heard in the movie, of course. Of course, yeah. So uh, they had this, uh, well, Jimmy Kwai and P. Diddy and Jimmy Page, uh, some Green Day remixes uh, with the Godzilla sounds added and Foo Fighters and uh, it wasn't too bad but then the movie stunk so bad so that soundtrack CD was a bit hard to listen to <laughs> for some reason but but yeah, yeah I, uh, well, yeah. you know what I mean I, I don't know about you but when when I watch those kaiju films I'm a, I am a fan of the, the rubber suit one the earlier days yeah because because there was there was a sense of childlike innocence and quality to it that that really made you want to escape you know you had to really you know go along with it or else you either you went along for the ride or you didn't whereas i mean as it got a little older where where the rubber suits were no longer rubber suits and they were more intricate and more detailed Hmm. the action really the action suffered because they're afraid of breaking or damaging the suits you know Hmm. Which they yeah, did all the they did all the time back then. You see, ch- change suit every one or two movies because it t- took a beating and got, uh, got set on fire and uh, what have you. Uh, yeah, I mean, towards the, uh, the you know 
I mean, I've seen some of the, the recent ones. I'm like, oh, it's okay. I mean, it's not that great. But, you know, they, they're the accent as far as the fighting when the creatures would meet. They were, you, you, you didn't see much of it. And if you did, it was just like these little quick cuts. But, mm. you know, like, one of my favorite fight scenes was um, King Kong versus Godzilla. Oh, yeah. I don't know what they call where you guys are at. Um, well, we, ne- we 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 never got any Godzilla movies in Sweden aside from some VHS in in the nineties. So, uh, but never that one. So I'm looking forward to watching that. Oh, you can see it. The fight scene is awesome, and the reason why is because if I remember correctly, um, one of the guys, I think King Kong, the guy in King Kong was, was a the guy who did the the fights in King Kong, in King Kong suit was. Um, was a judo black belt mm-hmm. and the other guy in the Godzilla suit was a stuntman that went back to Kurosawa's Seven Samurai oh, yeah. so, these guys, so these guys knew how to fight and the thing was is you know how sometimes when they when they have the fight scenes and they don't have anybody in the suit and they have a and they fall kind of lifelessly yeah they didn't have that here because these guys were in the suits and you could you know there's a certain dynamic quality when you throw somebody you feel it yeah. You know, and you felt that with these guys. These guys really went at each other. It was a short fight, but it was damn, was it a great fight? It's kind of um, some imagery from like the second Godzilla film, the Godzilla Raids again, where he fights uh, and and Guirus and that's. Um, uh, that creature with spikes. There are some scenes in that where they do throw each other around, wrestling style, and do actual. Uh, I don't know. Judo, uh, judo type techniques or, ta- or taekwondo, or what have you, and it looks kind of good, actually. Yeah, yeah, uh, and that's what that's what's cool. That's what I that's what I really enjoyed about those things because you really you really felt the weight of those characters and the way they shot it, and and the film speed made it look like these guys were, uh, you know, however tough. I mean, this and the way they landed, it was just like it was great. You know, you really felt that visceral quality that these, you know. Somebody was thrown. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The problem yeah. with the second one is they were still kind of not sure about uh, film speed. So there are some scenes where they uh, move at quite ridiculous fast speeds, but uh, it's not the best Godzilla movie. Uh, so you kind of survive. I, I, I think it's charming. I, I, I never, I think, or rarely look down on so-called you know b-movie filmmaking or bad filmmaking that there's always a type of innocent charm and sincerity behind a lot of stuff yeah. uh, it's not well, uh I... oh sorry go ahead no go ahead, go ahead. wait a minute no no it, it's rarely you know that, that it's uh that, that it comes from a lazy filmmaking team uh and and i i can say that about a lot of things i, I you know i watch a lot of these ninja films the, the godfrey ho ones and yeah, that's bad, but that's totally fascinating, despite an entertaining and uh, so 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 it's hard for me to dislike, uh, regardless well, you of. you know, yeah, no, I I know what you're saying. I I, I agree with you 100. percent There's a certain there's a certain passion behind the filmmaking, and you feel that. I mean, and the thing is, is you know, some of the glossy, multi-gazillion-dollar productions, some of these. They're, they're so over-stylized, you know, there's no soul to them anymore, mm. you know? And that's what, that's what I loved about when I was growing up. I, I'd watch these martial arts films in the 70s and these grindhouse films, these black exploitation films. 
and horror films in the 70s, I, there was a certain, I said, there's a certain pioneering creative spirit that these guys had. If you remember when you first uh, saw your first uh, monster movie or kaiju flick, uh, so could you talk a little about about that? I'm trying to remember what the first kaiju. I think it was. Um, it's kind of a blur. I mean, it was when I was a kid. I, I think it was. Um, I remember distinctly. Well, the one that made a huge impact on me were um, Frankenstein conquers the world. Oh, yeah. Um. And uh, War of the Gargantuas. Mm. Did you ever see those? No, uh, but but I know a fair amount, kind of uh, bad that I do about Frankenstein conquers the world because that plot just sounds insane. Uh, with the Frankenstein's heart, and the, the, there's this serious side about the victims of atomic explosions, and it sounds like a very, um, <laughs> I don't know, a very schizophrenic product, and I like that. It was, you know, um, it was kind of off the fringe compared to like the other suit films, you know, the kaiju, you know, rubber suit films. Because I mean, yeah, there was there was that 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 serious uh, morality issue about that. But you know, for me, the fight scene was at the end where he fights that creature with with the over the in the in the forest while while it's all on fire. You know, it was it was great. It was a great brawl. And what I but. My favorite brawls was King Kong vs. Godzilla, like we talked before, mm. and also in War of the Gargantuas between the red and the orange and the yellow, I guess, the, 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 the creatures, mm. which I think, yeah, those were like, they had some great fights. <laughs> you know, I mean, these were, you know, it was this, you know, it was a stuntman from, uh, you know, Seven Samurai. He was, he was, I think he was like the coordinator on it, and mm. he was also one of the guys. But, you know, those guys, they knew how to make the action work. You know, especially, you know, especially the way the creatures would walk. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and, and, you know, knowing, you know, I mean, knowing the film speed of how they're shooting, it gives it that heavy quality. And I remember seeing humanity and they showed how they walk normal. He goes, this is how we walk in normal speed, but this is how it looks back, looks when we, when we, when we show it on film at this certain film speed. Hmm. And you know, that, that is martial acting. That is incredible. That's an incredible skill to have. You know, and where do you learn that? And how, you know, how long does it take you to learn that? I mean, that's, that's a lost art. Hmm. You know, I mean... And it's never... When you really look at it, you, you realize that you can't dismiss this type of filmmaking technically when you realize no. what it takes to convey what you've seen I mean if you dislike it then it's not your thing then obviously that, that, that's a whole different aspect but the, you, you really realize when you get into to it that the filmmakers you know the crew the technical crew you know they invented this and they, they stayed on top of their game for quite a long time I mean they, they, they got out Godzilla the very first one, and that that was not a you know a half-assed attempt. That was great. No. That was uh, even though there's no fight action in that, but you believe it, and it doesn't matter. Any high definition can't hide the fact that that movie is eerily effective. You know, yeah. it, 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 it never will uh, die out in that regard. I mean, they they, they obviously did a lot more uh, brawls and fights as they went along, but 
I, I've never seen a Godzilla film where it basically takes me out of the movie or any, or any kaiju film. No, I agree. Um, you know, I think one of my first, the one Godzilla film that, that made an impact on me was also um, Godzilla vs. the Smog Monster, or... Uh, I, oh, it's a different title, yeah, I don't remember it now. Starts with an H. It's not, I think it's Hydra. Godzilla vs. the Smog Monster, that was just kind of like, wow. You know, I mean, just watching the strategy of what they would do, you know, what they had to do to destroy the smog monster and how, you know, Godzilla was actually the hero now. You know, he was like the guy that that had to um, help corner this creature, you know. And, mm. yeah, it was, it was pretty cool. I mean, the, the, they had some really good good action sequences. And they, when they finally got him at the end with the, in between the electric field, you know, uh, uh, that, that would kind of like dehydrate them and oh, it was pretty cool um, I mean but you know for me War of the Gargantuas King of, uh, King Kong vs. Godzilla and um, you know, Frankenstein Conquers the World those those were like the uh, most awesome and you know I liked um, Subaraya the A.G. Subaraya the, the guy that created you know you know Ultraman and you know and the Godzilla suit and all that stuff that guy was a genius yeah you know he was just like, you know, he created all that stuff, and he just like, man, you know, what was good? You know, I I love to just, you know, unfortunately he's passed away, but I would just love to pick that man's brain mm. about how he comes up with these fantasy creatures like this, you know, you know, because I mean he he has a distinct style for each creature, you know, he, you know, he he recycles like if you watch this one episode of Ultraman. You know, he put essentially put like a big, uh, a huge collar on one of the creatures, which was actually Godzilla. You know, <laughs> <laughs> kind of but, charming, yeah, I mean, kind of charming interplay between the franchises, if you will. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was it was funny, and, and but yeah, I mean, he he knew style. He knew, you know, how to create these characters and make them come to life and make them individual. Mm. You know, there there's a backstory behind all of them. You know. Especially in the Ultraman ones, like, you know, I remember there, there's a certain amount of humanity, you know, behind the action. Mm-hmm. You know, like, um, I remember there's this one, one creature that was in, that was in the monster's graveyard, and he, 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 and what happened was he accidentally got caught in Earth's gravitational pull and got pulled, fell to Earth, mm-hmm. and he was creature that was really sad that that you know that wanted to go back he wanted to go back there because he was lonely you know and Ultraman tried to tried to beat him you know physically beat him up to get him to kill him and toss him back there and he couldn't do it and finally they I guess what they did was they um they uh they they tied him to a space to to a rocket that looked like Ultraman they Flew him back up to to the uh, to the monster's graveyard. Hmm. I mean, there's there's a lot of there's a you know there's a I mean there's a lot of those stories in those you know like um like that there's there's one where this this girl lived out in in the mountains and there's this ghost monster that would always look after her hmm. you know and, and these two guys decided to kidnap her and this monster came up and started you know trying to find her and I mean there's a certain amount of you know humanity like there's other oh god this one 
this one guy who who was a spaceman that went to some planet and he came back as a freak. He came back as this this monster, mm-hmm. and he was sad because he wanted he wanted to destroy the UN because that was what that was the group of people that sent him into space and made him who this person was. Mm. Yeah, I mean, just like that, and you just go, oh my god, and then. Ultraman ended up having he did have to to kill him, but they did they made this uh, monument in his honor because he he sacrificed himself for humanity. And you that's know, uh, I mean that speaks to you. I mean, it, it, even within you know a fairly kooky genre, if you will. I mean, it's not looked at as a serious genre, but that that's still I mean that's very valid dramatic uh, storytelling. Uh, however, you look at it. Uh, which can be hard to 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 impress people uh, that have made up their minds about that genre. It's kind of hard to impress people and explain that uh, you know it has some humanity. But uh, boy, uh, t- top of the game in terms of storytelling as well. Often, I mean, then you had that director Inoshiro Honda who directed a lot of these films, and he was he was not bad at, at what he was doing, doing light stuff or serious stuff. He he. He pulled through every time and came through. No, yeah, he was he was the man. He was the man, definitely. No, I agree. I, I'm with you 100. percent Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, you know, um, you know, it, if you do, if you're not familiar with the culture, or the Japanese culture, or anything like that, you kind of kind of poo poo on it because you know we have a different perspective here in in the West. You mm. know, I mean, if you look at how why Godzilla was created, you're like going, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you just kind of think think twice about it mm. and, and it's 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 genius and kind of risky at the same time the way they start the very first godzilla movie in the japanese version and and, and reference that uh, drag uh, that boat incident that got caught in the vh bomb test and uh, and uh, that was a real life incident only a year old at that point so I mean, yeah. you got you got people into the cinema and uh, they got whatever snack they were gonna get and they were gonna see this monster movie horror movie and then, like being totally reminder of reality, one minute in the flick. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is kind of harsh, but still genius. No, I agree. I agree. I agree. Yeah, I mean, I, I love those films. I mean, what I found funny in, in Godzilla again, and you know, the fight with with the other uh, Angelus, or I can't remember how you say it. They, they use puppets. Yeah. That's yeah, right. I mean, they, they did those extreme, you know, like those mid-shots where they had puppets and they kind of like, you know, they were biting at each other and stuff, you know? Mm. I mean, they were still experimenting. But, you know, it's like I said with those Grindhouse films, they did something with, you know, a very low budget. And there's a certain, how do you say it? There's a certain um, childlike quality to them that you have to respect. When I say child, like I'm not talking about amateurs. There's a certain pioneering spirit about what they're doing that you just you have to because yeah, it 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 kind of resonates to to your to your inner child. Mm. You know what they're doing. I mean, it's the same kind of early, like '60s, early '60s um, uh, fight choreography and Hong Kong movies and Shaw Brothers movies and what have you. I mean, if you look at one on Swordsman, it's not exactly, you know, to a modern audience, you you, you expect some more um, some more grit, and some more flow, and some more um, intensity. And one on Swordsman, for instance, isn't, but it's you know coupled with that. Uh, 
action directing and development and was kind of in high development and uh, well developed at that time but coupled with this affecting story in one of swordsman which is all about to me youth alienation and uh and someone being outcast I mean, yeah so combine that childish uh innocence if you will uh and uh, action directing and development i mean it's uh would be hard pressed to look down on that uh and i i i never will be able to uh uh, to look down on that. Well, you know, I, I think during that time, I think it was done in the late, late 60s before Bruce Lee got there. Yeah. Um, yeah, because I think at that time, uh, Hong Kong Cinema was still copying the Japanese samurai uh, films. Yeah. As far as their, their, their um, you know, the execution simple and to the point. Whereas, you know, when Bruce came, you know, fight choreography became the king. Yeah, you know, whereas before it was just a thing that complemented the story. It was more the dramatic conflict and what he had to go through than the actual fight choreography. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I mean, there were some films that 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 bucked that um, that theory. Uh, like examples, one of my favorites was Vengeance, David Chang. Yeah, thank yeah. you. Oh man, that was just like, oh, I mean, he just that was just like. The Kung Fu Brawl, you know, the I think that was the birth of the Kung Fu Brawl. Yeah. <laughs> but what? It was, I mean, you know, it, you know, David Chang was not, he was not slick. He was cool. But he, I mean, as far as the technique, it was, he was not slick. He was rough, raw, you know, to the point, hmm. you know. And, and there's something about that movie that, that, that is always, you know, that always holds near and dear to me because they, it was just, it was just raw emotion, you know, it, apart from your typical martial arts film at the time where it's just, you know, they were more conservative. They, it was more about the composure and stuff like that. You know, David Chang is such a, you, you killed my brother. I'm going to find out who it is. If you don't tell me, I'm going to kill you. That, you know? <laughs> uh, I mean, that was essentially what that whole story was about. And I'm going to wear white throughout the whole movie, <laughs> yeah, Rego yeah, regardless I mean, of how I mean, illogical. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was just, you know, it, you know I, I, that was like one of my favorite uh, David Chang Chang Chi movies. So. Yeah. Thanks very much for taking time to do this. I really appreciate it. Oh, sure. Anytime. You get, yeah, I'm, I'm always here for you guys. You guys are the greatest. Thanks very much. Yeah, you guys, like I said, you know, you guys, you guys follow your, you, you're, you're following your bliss in life. Yeah. You know, and it's going to lead to great things. Mm. And, you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm just honored I'm a part of mm. it. But stay tuned for more as uh, you made it this far, uh, dearly beloved Japan on Fire listeners. And I'll give you a little bit more of uh, me and John Crane's chat that just ended up being uh, a banter about a little bit of uh, everything. So enjoy and thank you for supporting Japan on Fire and Podcast on Fire. It actually it brings up another question I got kind of curious about. Uh, uh, when, when choreographing, let's say, gritty brawls, you know, really wrestling fights where they use any any part of the environment just to fight just to desperately fight the, uh, themselves out of a situation I mean if you ever saw On the Run the Yoon Byu movie if you remember that yeah I love that uh, movie that was a great movie and at the end he fights with uh, Charlie Chin and they, they, they there's this great moment where I think Charlie Chin is taking like a record player and just bashing it on Yoon Byu's head so, so so I was thinking do, do you do you know or can say if that is extremely hard 
uh, action to direct to make it look like it really hurts so it actually is kind of pain involved as well trying to sell that desperate fighting if you will well you know in hong kong movies when i did, my, did that Jet Li movie i mean he hit me for real yeah you know yeah. and that, i think that sh that movie was shot around that time yeah and you know i mean hong kong of course has that grindhouse feel to it too because i mean the way they shoot the action you know they really did that Mm. You, I mean, there's no lying in the take that you saw that. And, you know, we, we in Hollywood can't recreate that because, you know, we have certain rules that we can't, you know, violate, you know, where, you know, people are in danger. So you don't, you can't, you can't get away with that in Hollywood. I remember well, my best friend, Jeff Amato, he's just one of the biggest gun coordinators around. Mm. He, he, said, he, he, he said it perfectly. He goes, in Hong Kong, they're doing the real stunt. But in Hollywood, we're we're creating the illusion that that the stunt is being done. Yeah. I mean, it's not like it's not like we just it's it's you know um, we're not you know we are we we doing the stunt as best we can within the parameters that we're given. Yeah. You know, I mean, and also I feel you know CG is taking away a lot of action because you know you don't see it in the actor when he's about to jump off that ledge. You know. You know, if it's if it's a CG, you, you well, you know, he's only two feet off the ground, and you can tell yeah. the way he 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 holds his body. He's only two feet off the ground, and it's a green screen. But if you hold put the actor, you know, ten stories up, and he's about to jump, you can see in his body language that this guy's about to do it. You know, and and, and also that. and also, there's probably a wide shot show in this. I mean, I just got the image of a Conan Lee breaking his legs in Tiger on the Beat too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's like no that. faking I mean, that. You can't fake that. I mean, you know, and it, it, that's just the way. It, I mean, you know, there's stunt guys that can do this stuff, but the problem is, is you're only given one take. Yeah. You know, I mean, we have, I mean, how come some men here? I mean, some men here in the, in America, we have a longer um, lifespan than these Hong Kong guys. Some of these Hong Kong guys, they only last three years at the most. Yeah. You know, I mean, Jackie is one of the few that that has endured, you know, over the over the decades. I mean, if you ever meet him, he's a thick guy. He's 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 stocky compared to the other Hong Kong guys like Yun Hua, Yun Biu, and and all those other guys. They're really thin, mm -hmm. so that when they take hits and you know and those falls, I mean, they feel it more than Jackie would because you know he's much thicker, and I I can see his muscles and his body would absorb it a little bit better and it would disperse whereas the other guys that are just those real thin mm. it's like skin and you know uh, <clears throat> sorry what do you think of Ridley Choice work if you ever seen uh, some of his stunt work uh, that, uh, well, well, basically, there's this, this uh, insane stunt man he did a movie called No Regret No Return where he, he's hit uh, while riding a motorbike uh, he's hit by a car Let's go in the other, uh, the other direction. Uh, if you haven't seen that, make a note of uh, no regret, no return. Type in Ridley Choi on YouTube, and you'll you'll see some of the most insane stunt work ever. It's just a guy that probably should be dead by now as well, and, and probably more you famous. Know, wait, let me look it up right now. Yeah, <laughs> Ridley, uh, it's a movie with Max Mock as well. Uh, does a few things on his own in that film. It's a late '80s action film. PSUI? Uh, yeah, exactly. No regret, no return. That's right. Okay. Oh, here it is. 
Hopefully it's a bike oh, stunt. Oh my god. Was that the bike stunt? <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, <laughs> try and fake that if you can. You can. Oh my god, and the guy fell off the two-story building? Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> he was yeah, the director. Oh, sorry. He, he's um. The thing is, these Hong Kong guys are not really stuntmen. They're more daredevils than anything else. Yeah. You know. They're, really, I mean, that's there's. You know, if if any of us in the Hollywood would compete, we would. You know, we are are, are we would have a very short career. Mm. You know, and you know the thing is, is these guys what they're doing. You know, they're putting their life on the line. I mean, I'm not saying that we don't. I mean, we do every day when we when we go on the set. But we're taking calculated risks, you know, every day. I mean, we have to, you know, it's all worked out. You know, I mean, unfortunately, I mean, you know, people do die here. Yeah. But, you know, these guys, I mean, this is just, they're more daredevils than, than actual stuntmen, really. Mm. I mean, they go, hey, you want to fall off a two-story building without without a, even a, a folding net? Yeah, sure, why not? You know, I mean, I have nothing else to live for. <laughs> you know, that's the mentality. It's true. I mean, I know some of these guys. They go, yeah, sure. I mean, they've got a completely different attitude. Yeah, they, I mean, if you look at Jackie's earlier stuff back in the late 70s, early 80s, when he was, when he went to Golden Harvest, you could tell he did not have a reason to live because some <laughs> of the stuff he did. Yeah, certainly a lot of falls and, uh, Many things that are the high height. Um, yeah. Uh, beginning of Young Master, end of Dragon Lord. Uh, oh yeah. A lot of crazy yeah. falls there. The, the the thing I like about Ridley Choi is that there, it, there's not a whole lot of stuff on film of him uh, doing his thing, doing his Daredevil thing. But that's the movie he made that as well. He directed that. He co-stars in it. And uh, the 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 stunt where he falls off. Um, uh, falls off uh, a roof uh, it's not high from a higher altitude but he he really hurt himself there that was him that bike stunt that was him although not his character uh, that was the max mock character and uh, there's some jackie style outtakes at the end of that movie uh, basically i think it's max mock uh, they doing a scene in a garage and a car basically crushes him against the wall and it could have gone really bad it went uh -huh. really bad, but it could have gone, you know, he could have been dead. And 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 Max Mock apparently did that. Uh, and, and now you're involving the actors who certainly feel that they have little to live for as well, it seems like. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's, it's that Hong Kong. I mean, the, the Hong Kong style of fighting just reminds me a lot of, um, you know, the Grindhouse films back in the 70s, you know, when, when there was that... You know, we have no money. What are we going to do to make something out of nothing? Mm. That's that's essentially what's what's happening. I mean, you're just like, oh man, that's what I, I think. That's why a lot of people are attracted to the Hong Kong films back in the in the eighties, you know, eighties and and nineties. You mm. know, because had that 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 certain innocence about what they did. It's like let's just try to make something out of nothing, mm. and yeah, I, I think that people people like that. I mean, it's just like you, when you see all the CG stuff, it gets boring because I, I mean, I see it. You could just feel it in the audience. You go, yeah, yeah, it's just a painting. Mm. Whereas opposed to when you watch a Hong Kong film, wow, Jackie 
Jackie fell thirty, you know, three stories and landed on his head for us. Mm-hmm. You know, to see this. I mean, there's there's a certain amount of oh my god, you know. Whereas you know, with the CG, it just it becomes it becomes too much of a crutch. Yeah, it's yeah. Uh, it's no wonder people are are still uh, I'm saying stuck uh, kind of lightly and kind of kindly, but still. Uh, wanting to watch that, that era of films and uh, it's kind of self-explanatory because uh, we, 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 we're not going to go there anymore we're not going to get there anymore uh, not in Hong Kong anyway because there's no new generation of that type of filmmakers uh, I mean you know I, 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 I uh, my hat's off to Chris Nolan for that last the last Batman when he did that truck that car stunt the, the, the truck mm-hmm. um where where um where it did that flip right yeah i mean that was a real car that was yeah. a real truck that did that i mean and i remember when i was watching that and i was like going wow that's a real truck i mean people know the difference between cg and and reality because of the way the physics happen i'm talking about action mm-hmm. not not about you know you know the backdrops or anything like that i'm talking about action because you know, we see this all the time. We see it on TV. We see what a real fight is like. We see a car accident. We see it on reality TV. So we, we, in our back, in the back of my mind, of our minds, we know the physics of what happens when a car hits, mm-hmm. you know, or or what happens when somebody, you know, falls off a building or whatever, you know. And and unfortunately, I feel you know, CG is you know making us lazy, you know, and and it and it no longer. Um, what he said. It no longer evokes an emotion from the audience because the audience is on to us. Mm. It's on to the filmmakers. It's like, no, hey, we knew he was he was only a foot off the ground. You could tell, you know. I mean, I can tell. I mean, I can tell. Like Kobe Bryant did this one commercial about. He goes, watch, watch me jump over this car. Mm. And I knew right away. I go, there was something really weird about that commercial because when when a car's coming at you and you jump. You jump a different way than you would normally, and he just looked like he did a normal jump. He did not care about that car, and I, as I go, in, oh, I don't care how much money you make. When your life is on the line like that, you will jump a different way. I mean, you 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 put your whole body. He just went, ah, oh, it was just like a casual jump as opposed to a serious jump. Yeah, it's uh, a yeah. it, it kind of uh, speaking of CG. Uh, w- they, they've even, I, I guess, lost the art or just uh, uh, have found time to be lazy with blood squibs nowadays. Or rather, they haven't found a good way to do CG blood squibs yet because that just takes me out of any movie nowadays. When, yeah, when, and I mean, having physical blood on set and physical explosions, I mean, uh, I know it takes time and effort, but uh, you know, they're, they're so far away from it now that it, it's exactly that audience reaction you were talking about, yeah. We're looking at a painting there as well, in a way. No, I know, I know. Yeah, that's unfortunately, yeah, we we just become codependent on CG. That's that's exactly, you know, what it is. It's like ah, we'll just, you know, you you work with certain directors where they get kind of lazy and they go, they go, uh, how are we gonna shoot this? Ah, we'll just cover from all angles and we'll deal with it in editing. Mm. Yeah, it's like oh, that's a sign of a lazy ass director yeah. who does not know his shot. You know, and then what happens is it ends up looking like crap because yeah. he did not prepare. And it's the same thing with, you know, with CG. I mean, they just, you know, if you, of course, it costs money. You've got to reset. You've got to have more wardrobe and all this other stuff. But yeah, 
they keep forgetting about the visceral emotion that that the audience has to feel with what you're doing, mm. and you know it, it becomes unfortunately a lot of it, it becomes a paycheck, yeah. you know, instead of a passion. Even in those cheap Hong Kong movies, they had time to do uh, blood squibs and a lot of them. Oh yeah. So I mean, uh, yeah, like. You- uh, where, where, where basically did did even big time crews uh, uh, lose uh, lose the uh, uh, you know uh, the, the the aspect of time to actually find time to do it? I mean, uh, even if the little old Hong Kong can do it. Well, the the difference what they do over there as opposed to what they do here is they have a longer time. They they have a prep time on preparing the action. Mm-hmm. You know, they the 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 action director calls the shots as far as where the camera is going to be, where their edit points are going to be. Whereas here, we can only suggest. Mm. We can't tell the P what to do. You know, if he doesn't know how to shoot action, specifically fight scenes. If he, uh, you know, how one time I worked on this film, and I told the director, I go, look, you need to find a director that knows how to shoot action. And I should have been more specific. Mm-hmm. The scenes, and he goes, oh, "Yeah, I found somebody." And he, t- and he goes, "Yeah, I understand the process you're doing." Blah blah blah. And he was making my stunt guys go through the ringer, fifteen, seventeen shots because he was late with the camera. Ah. Uh. Yeah. You know, follow the action. He just I, and I kept on telling him, like, "Look, follow here. Once he does this, he does do this, do that." He goes, "Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah." He was getting pissed because I was telling him where, when he needed to move, uh. and. You know, I'm like going, look, you're blowing the shot, and these stunt guys are starting to get pissed off at you because you're asking them to do it again because it's your fault. You know, mm. you know they're on time, but you aren't, and this is like the seventh time. You should have gotten this on the second or third take, you know, and mm. he wasn't on it. And then afterwards, he goes, he goes hey, man, you know, uh, something like that. He says, I'm like, you know, I said, well, what kind of action did you shoot? He goes, oh, cars. <laughs> Like on, oh, I go. You know, there's a difference between shooting cars and shooting action. Is yeah, yeah, I guess. I'm like going, you guess. Stepping on the gas and putting on the brakes and you know turning the 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 uh, the, the the steering wheel is something different than throwing yourself on the floor ten, fifteen, twenty times. Mm. You get tired, and these guys are you know they were just like looking, getting pissed off at the guy, and you didn't care, you know, because this. I was like going, look. You gotta, you gotta get on it. And this guy, you know. So that's the problem. You can't, you know. Here, you you can suggest. You can't say unless mm. they ask mm. you. You know. It's um, yeah. I guess it's. Have... I guess it's still a difficult. Um, uh, in difficult to get an action director to really run a set or uh, on a on an action movie shoot uh, with with fights nowadays because uh, you know as you described in the interview with Stu that uh, b- basically some people feel like you're intruding on their job uh, especially yeah. with cinematographers and what have you yeah well I mean the thing, I mean you can understand it it's, but it's just the hierarchy is completely different yeah you know um, you know I mean, I, I, there's some great DPs here in States, like Jan DeBont, when he did in Die Hard. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and then, you know, I, don't, I know he did do Predator, but the guy who was a DP on Predator was incredible. Yeah. You know, he, he, there was a certain lyricism with what they did. You know, they, the camera moved, and it wasn't, um, 
you know, it, it, it didn't call attention to themselves like some of these other guys mm. where they do the, her, the jerky camera. Say, hey, look what I'm doing. Isn't this cool? Like, uh, you know, <laughs> oh, <really? laughs> we can't move on because you are calling attention to yourself. It's a, the, by, by the way, speaking of uh, like a great example of, uh, let's say, Hollywood action, although it's not quite Hollywood action. Did, did you ever get a chance to see Dead or Alive, the Corey Yoon film? Yeah. What do you think of it? I thought it was okay. I mean, um, I mean, it was, it was, uh, I, it was, it was okay. I didn't feel it was. I don't know. There was, I had mixed feelings about it. All right. I I just thought the were, were based on what he had, which is not not you know a whole lot of martial arts talents. I I thought it was fun. And, and, yeah, and I, I mean think, it was. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, Corey has uh, when, when Corey has a freedom to do uh, a lot of stuff for extended periods of time, it turns out pretty fun. It can be a bit ropey. I mean, I I I like so close as well. Uh, you know, where, where, when he has that time to to uh, and basically not, uh, well, basically when he's the director as well, he can do quite a lot of fun stuff. I'm a, I'm a more I'm more of a fan of his earlier stuff when he was hungry. Yeah, you know? of course. Like um, Ninja and the Dragon's Den. Yeah. I mean, about a contrast between Japanese and Chinese styles. Oh yeah. With Henry, with Henry and, and Conan Lee. I mean, that was, I, I saw that movie 15 times in the theater when it came out. Wow. I saw it, I went to the theater every night, and I was like, and I, you know, they had a, like a stupid Chinese romance film, so I had to sit through that, <laughs> you know, I was like, oh, God, uh. it was a double feature, I was like, okay, <laughs> time to go into the, go into the, uh, into the uh, concession stand and eat some dried squid. <laughs> <laughs> it was a Chinese theater, so, but yeah, it was just like, you know. I, I was such a junkie for that stuff. I mean, you know, I mean, that was just amazing. And to top it off, have Huang Zhong Li be the villain and throw a Korean element, Korean kicking style element. It was just amazing. Yeah. You know, those guys back then, I mean, I liked, I mean, I liked the earlier stuff back in the 80s. Sure. Because, because there weren't that many cuts. And, you, and it was more of a, I mean, it was more of a Daredevil era. And it was more of, you, look what we can do for nothing. Hmm. You know, and, you know, we couldn't top that, you know, over here when it came to that type of stuff. I mean, when it came to mar uh, martial arts films, yeah. I'm saying in general, you know, not action is a, is a completely different thing. I mean, in America, we have better car chases, we have better explosions, mm -hmm. I feel, you know. But, you know, when it came to fight scenes, the Hong Kong guys, man, they, they, they knew all the angles, they knew the cuts, they knew how to make that thing kinetic and visceral, mm. you know. You know, I mean, but I mean, but there've been some other examples here in America that are great, like Die Hard and Predator. I mean, you know, the strategy, the physical strategy of of, of the cat and mouse was was a part of the story, which is what I loved about those two films. Mm. You know, RoboCop was the same way, and you know, the the way the action was shot. You know, there was there was a logic behind all that, mm -hmm. and there was a flow and a rhythm to everything that was done. Well, I haven't seen that in a while. <laughs> Just got a wonderful uh, Robocop flashback. <laughs> oh, yeah, that movie was fun. Yeah, I remember it was way, way cut over here uh, during, you know, the initial scenes where they kill off the main character and stuff like that. So I never saw saw it um, 
in a gory version until many years later, when censorship was uh, censorship laws here were basically uh, abolished altogether. So it was like, whoa, yeah. what's Dow was behind all this that jerky, choppy editing? Wow. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, I I met the guy who edited that movie. His name is Frank Uriasi. He uh-huh. won a um, he won an he was nominated for an Oscar for I think um, Tor Tor Tor. Yeah, I think that or, I can't remember which one it was. Um, he won an Oscar. I mean, no, he's nominated for an Oscar. And and uh, he told me about that. He went through seventeen edits before it had to go before it passed the ratings. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, and he told me what happened with the initial, the initial uh, uh, scene where where Jack gets—I mean, where um, Peter Weller gets his head blown up—and he told me how he shot, how um, Paul Verhoeven shot it. It was a one shot where you, where the camera panned, mm. yeah, panned from you saw uh, the guy hold the gun, and 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 there was a tracking shot. It kind of and it went behind his head, and right when it went behind his head, you heard the gunfire. Mm. And you saw the back of his head blow up, and you could see, you see the, you could see the guy holding the gun through his head. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, oh my god. And and that 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 is in the movie nowadays. I think it's in like the uh, un- unrated version. That shot is in there. Uh, but but I don't think it it, it went into the R-rated version. Uh, 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 no. <laughs> Uh, but but it's, 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 speaking of dead or alive, I I guess I went in with low expectations, and I kind of found it cool that it had a for 2006 or seven production kind of good flow, because you don't expect good flow, you expect choppy editing and the check cam, and I got to see a lot of what he yeah. was doing. So uh, yeah, definitely. I felt I felt the problem. I, my my issues is that you know. There was too much wire assist. You, you know, I mean, the thing was is you, you could tell these girls really did not do anything to lift themselves up. Remember when they were caught, when they tried to lift themselves up and they did the, you know, they tried to, you know, kind of fr- fr- frog jump over each other over yeah. the to the different levels of the floors. Yeah, it, it just it, it kind of lost me there because I was just like going, oh, you know, the, you could tell the 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 physical acting was kind of lack where you, you just you just tell they just all they did was just pretended they were vaulting over each other and you could tell they didn't put any exertion into their body to, yeah. to do it you could tell it was, it was more wire assist than actual you know what i mean yeah whereas i like it i like jackie's wire assist because it's to assist him instead of being used as a crutch you know yeah, yeah i mean you, you you go when you watch a wire assist on jackie's film you go did he really do that or was that a wire yeah, you, you and you and you really had to think about it, you know. And that's what I liked about Jackie when he uses. You go, okay, did he really do that mm. or not? And you kind of, and by the time you 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 think about it, it's already too late. The next scene is on. You just ah, forget it. It's, you know, you you're <laughs> you're on to the next scene. Ah, uh, yeah, exactly. If you don't, uh, if you can't figure it out, then someone is doing his or her job right. Yeah, exactly. Especially so, in this I mean, era where you got behind the scenes footage and you know way too much about filmmaking as a uh, regular viewer or, or 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 whatever viewer you are. Yeah, I mean you know and uh, yeah I, I you know a lot of people ask you know what do you like do you like 
um, you know, um, using a ratchet, you know, through the machine, or do you like using a hand pull? You right. know, the thing is, if you use a ratchet, the problem is, is the pull is a consistent, it's a consistent um, pull. It does. If you do a hand pull, you can kind of change it so it so it actually looks more human. Hmm. You know, whereas like the example in Planet of the Apes, when um, Paul Giamatti's character was was chasing after Mark Wahlberg in the jungle, and he was jumping around from from branch and cliff to cliff. That was a ratchet pull, and it looked like it because there was no the, there was no um, stops. Mm-hmm. It was just like, dun, dun, dun. It, and it looked like it was a, it was more of a of a machine pull than it was a human pull. Because it was a human pull, they would have kind of stopped in between and give them time to push off and assist the pull. So it looked like you know he is an orangutan pushing off. You know, so I mean, I, I you know stuff like that. I, I kind of. I I tend to go for more um, more more human pulls than mm-hmm. than using a machine. 